And good morning. Welcome into In Focus News Radio KMAN. Last day of the month here in March. I'm really glad it's not April Fool's Day because I could just see Ben Jellica having fun with that. <laughs> uh, we have him in here a day before that. Thank goodness. He's uh, joining us uh, along with some other folks here. We'll go ahead and introduce everybody. Ben Jellica, of course, uh, game warden here in Riley County with the Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks. Good morning. Thank you so much for having us, Brandon. Absolutely. Uh, we also have in studio Brian McNulty, Operations Project Manager at Tuttle Creek Lake. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Glad to be here. And uh, Caleb Snyder, Park Manager at Tuttle Creek Lake. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Glad to be here, too. Pleasure to have you all in. We, we decided to do it all, to, all together here because you kind of have overlapping topics here. But uh, we'll start with Ben first because Ben's got some uh, construction uh, details that we're going to pass along. And uh, th- this may affect some folks that are going up to the lake. Yes. Uh, the, the, uh, one, we have two main boat ramps uh, that that get used tuttle cove and spillway marina and spillway marina right now i'm going to call it a new decking now there it's closed down so if you go back there and hope to put a boat in which uh it's one of the main boat ramps on, on the lake you will be disappointed there's two dumpsters there and there is no well they've taken out that top surface concrete and i guess that'd be called a new decking um, it is going to be shut down through May, depending on weather delays, which let's just not have any of those. Um, but it's a long way to go back there in order to put a boat in that maybe people are, are used to doing. It is shut down and will be shut down for, for uh, well, th- through May. I can't tell you what day, but that is I, – I just want to – give people the alternative go over to brian's area or core of engineer area that it would be the next best boat ramp at tuttle cove okay and so uh what's going on at fancy creek then well fancy creek is still under construction on the range and uh, now this is not how do i put it it's not it's not new news to me my understanding and i think I i think it's going toward being open in august uh, if you're not aware of Fancy Creek Range is a uh, uh, what supervised range. It's been in place since about 2002, but it is shut down for basically reconstruction. Uh, and that uh, COVID figured into it that it got shut down, and we knew construction was coming up. Um, and it, of course, with with uh, the situation, it, it remained closed, but nothing was going on the construction hadn't begun and that that construction as i understand is scheduled to be completed in august let's hope that happens it's a it's a missed uh, facility that that a lot of people well it was a success then and we hope to see it be a success again all right how many uh folks do you think this potentially impacts here how popular are these two sites well, the the range, <laughs> I guess people have found other places. So you know, it's been shut shut down since uh, you know this is coming up on past two years. In fact, I think it was March of twenty was the last time it was open to the public. Uh, there was a lot of, of uh, facility taken down and moved before construction began, um, and uh, it, it, well, it was very popular. It it uh, it got. Uh, people, we we had people waiting in line on many weekends, to, especially for the pistol range. But that's all going to be reconstructed. It's under the underway right now. 
Uh, the boat ramp, I would say it's, a, it's well, Tuttle Cove since 2019 high water was shut down. So uh, the only game in town or the main boat ramp, there's a few others, but nothing like uh, uh, the, the use that the spillway boat ramp uh, gets. But again, uh, tell your friends and neighbors, I mean, I just don't want people disappointed to be going back there and expecting the boat ramp to be open. It won't be open until May. Uh, and it is a, a probably the most popular boat ramp on the lake. All right. So just keep that in mind here. The weather's going to be getting nicer, and uh, you know we'll probably see more boats out on the lake here pretty soon. Well, yeah. Uh, and, of course, don't let me get out of here without the message. You need a life jacket, whether it's a boat, a kayak, or a canoe. And there is kayak stuff uh, uh, events coming up uh, on the Kansas River. It's uh, There's a, a really uh, an, an event uh, that we clean up the river. We clean up sandbars starting, and that's going to be April 16th. So that's, what, three Saturdays away. And it's a, it's a pretty big group. It, it uh, kicks off at the, I'm going to call it the U.S. 24 Manhattan Boat Ramp. Uh, on your way to Wamego, if you go over the river, you went too far, but that's there's a boat ramp there. I'm sure there's going to be 30, 40, 50 people. That is supported by Manhattan Rex, Park and Rex. Uh, they get a dumpster there and a skid loader, and we, we um, tr- uh, shuttle stuff that comes off the, uh, the, the uh, sandbars. Uh, between that boat ramp and St. George, and we bring it all back up to the boat ramp on, uh, and, and of course, Can- Kansas Wildlife and Parks supports it with a, a shuttle and all the stuff that is found along the river, collected trash, basically, uh, back up to that boat ramp. Uh, we get it on the skid loader, and they put it in the dumpster. And that's April 16th, 8 o'clock at the boat ramp. It's kind of a cool, it's kind of neat because there's a lot of people. I mean, there'll be 30, 40 uh, kayaks, easy. And we're, we're hoping for good weather. Yeah. This is a neat event that happens each year. And, you know, it's kind of unfortunate that, that there's that much trash that collects. But I, I imagine we're not alone here. This happens all over the place. Well, it's kind of called the battery case cleanup. And over – this goes probably back into the 50s that uh, – bat, what do you call it? Automotive battery cases. There's not much left uh, of them other than the plastic. But any any case, that's it's called battery case cleanup, and it's it's been going on for many years. Uh, there's there's an, there's a few others too. That uh, that Friends of the Caw is uh, a pretty good group that is that does events here in the Manhattan area. Saturday, April 16th is one. May 11th is a beginner Wednesday evening, a few hours on the river. So if you want a supported uh, outing on the river with a canoe or kayak, if you can. By the way, uh, Tuttle Creek State Park, I think they've got 30 or 40 kayaks ready to go. So not having a kayak is, it doesn't get in the way. But there's a Wednesday evening. It goes from 5 till 8 on May 11th. And then uh, there's a beginning camping experience on May 20th going from Junction City to Ogden. And that's just a few things with the Friends of the Call or FOK. You can look those up, and they got an event an event calendar on that. Okay, very good. And a wonderful event, again, 
obviously there. Um, today is also a, a meeting of the Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks. They're already meeting now? Yeah, Kansas Wildlife and Parks has uh, a commission meeting, and they're, they're meeting uh, today. That starts, the commission meeting starts at 1 o'clock. Uh, you can attend on Zoom, or in other words, uh, you can log in and attend uh, remotely, and you can participate. Now, they're also having between 9 and 11, which I guess it's just getting kicked off too right now. It, um, it doesn't allow the public to participate, but they are taking discussion on an issue with the commission and the department. And it's concerning uh, crowding with duck hunting. And there's some places that, that the duck hunting is – well, the, the number of people exceeds the – I'm going to call it carrying capacity of this facility. Now, we are so lucky on Tuttle Creek. We don't have we, – we have about between a quarter and a tenth of the uh, uh, crowding or people, whether it be for ducks or boating, any activities around the lake, you can almost – you can go to the lake in some access points and pretty much seem like you have it to yourself. And so we're we're lucky in that regard. We do have um, uh, it. We're spread out a lot better. But this issue is an issue at uh, uh, Cheyenne Bottoms and some other popular duck hunting places. So they're discussing that between nine and eleven, and then they're going to the regular commission meeting. It starts at one. They break, I think, at five thirty, and then they reconvene at six thirty. Uh, the the afternoon session is taking on issues in a workshop set, setting. In other words, there's discussion from the public, discussion between the commissioners and the department uh, concerning issues, and then the evening session is when they pass regulation. So then that's when they vote on regulation that has gone through the workshop sessions. Okay. Very good. And I'm curious, will they be addressing anything like bird flu? I know that's been in the news a little bit lately. I don't well, uh, they may give a report, uh, um, but uh, that more is coming through our uh, uh, information. And by the way, that bird flu, there was an eagle that was sick in the area, and it, it did come back positive for the bird flu. And this goes back a few weeks, about three weeks, I think. Uh, but otherwise, the, the reports, and, and we're taking real precautions, uh, the um, Nature Center or rehab, rehab Center has changed their method of taking uh, birds in, especially because of that. But that is in the area. Uh, there is testing that goes on concerning, especially if it's a fresh specimen, to get it to uh, be tested for the avian bird flu. Okay. We're going to take our first break on the program. We'll get uh, the rest of these guys involved here in just a moment. Uh, we'll take your phone calls if you've got any questions as well, 537-1350. In Focus continues in a moment. And yeah, we're back here on In Focus, News Radio KMAN. Our guests today all uh, from up at the Tuttle Creek area. We've got Ben Jedlica, Riley County Game Warden, Brian McNulty from the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, Operations Project Manager at Tuttle Creek Lake, and Caleb Snyder, park manager at Tuttle Creek Lake as well, joining us here in studio. Um, you know, people are going to be getting more outdoors here as the springtime uh, is now upon us. And it brings to the question here, as far as fishing is concerned, uh, crappie season. Um, and 
how is that going right now? Well, we're ready. Everybody's sharpening their hooks, right, Brandon? You get your sh- hook sharp. Yeah. That's that's a big thing. Now, it's up to Brian and the Corps of Engineers to keep us at good water levels. The crappie really kick off, I call it on tax day. Now, it can, okay. they can be caught in the warmer water and up in the coves where the water warms quicker uh, before tax day or April 15th. That's my kind of mark. And if you're if you get ready... There should be good fishing between April 15th and May 15th while the crappie spawn is on. But, Brian, it's up to you and the Corps to keep us at reasonable water levels. Two feet a day is way too much. We'll have to talk to Mother Nature about that. <laughs> that brings us to the boat ramps, you know, with, with the marina boat ramp out of commission. Uh, that's a popular spot to, to launch from. So Tuttle Cove, I think, will be more popular and that is the deepest uh, ramp that's open right now as far as the lake level being down a couple feet below normal. Um, there are other smaller ramps further up the lake. Um, Mill Cove near Stockdale Park has a good ramp that's good access to that Mill Cove area. There's a, a ramp out on the point at Stockdale. but uh, That ramp can be pretty rough if the wind's blowing out of the south, so it, it might be harder to launch from. And University Park has a good ramp once the lake gets back up around normal uh, levels, and that's good access to Crappie Cove and some of the areas in the upper part of the lake that are popular for crappie fishing. That Mill Cove ramp really provides great access to a protected area. With that uh, bluff that's on the south side and most of our winds are out of the south, and even if they're out of the north, that is a deep, long cove, and for smaller boats, it's well protected, and there's that boat ramp. <clears throat> excuse me, provides that access to Mill Cove or Stockdale area, as it's more commonly called. Robert is standing by. He has a question for us. So go ahead, Robert. You're on in focus. You know, with all the water area that's over Jeffrey's Energy Center, that they're going to close the uh, power plant. Um, have you heard any talk about preserving that as a uh, migratory waterfowl or crappie fishing or any of that with the state uh, or the uh, Robert I'm sorry that one's out of left field for me I think that that's going to be a long term I mean we're talking you know 5 10 15 years I don't know anything about uh, what will be the result of the slow down or would decommissioning be the right thing? Is that are they even saying it that way? Yeah, I, I, yeah, they're eventually going to shut that thing down here. I think by twenty. Yeah, and Robert's 30. asking about Jeffrey's Energy Center, which is uh, St. Mary's neighborhood, uh, and there are there is fishing opportunity over there. You check in at the, the guardhouse, and uh, that has year round boat ramps and year-round fishing just as an opportunity in the area. But I'm sorry, I, I don't know anything. I, I'm not sure that's on the radar yet. All right, thanks for the call. Um, you Getting back to Tuttle, though, Brian, you mentioned the, the lake levels. That seemed to be a, an issue a few years ago here for us. Lately, it's been pretty steady, it seems like. The lakes had good inflows coming in, uh, even all winter, um, several hundred CFS. Uh, we were successful in pulling the lake level down in December, uh, like we had planned to in accordance with the water level management plan. Uh, did get a little grief from the duck hunters because it was still warm. Uh, 
and there were still ducks in the area and, and the water was dropping out of that habitat. But we did actually get it dropped down just in time before the winter freeze up started, which is our goal. So it's still at winter level and we've been at winter level, but as of this week, uh, we dropped down to an outflow of 100 CFS, which is minimum outflows for the lake. And so the lake's on a slow rise now in accordance with Ben's request. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting too. Uh, so it's what, 1,073? It, does it ever go below that? Or do you guys kind of maintain it right at that level? The winter level for water level management plan is between 1072 and 1073 normally. Uh, we have gone below that uh, primarily in periods of drought because the state of Kansas pulls water out of the reservoirs to meet minimum downstream flows in the Kansas River. So, But we've not been down in those 1060 ranges for several years. Okay. Uh, go back to the phone lines. I guess we got uh, disconnected from Robert, but uh, he had a story about the dam. Is that right, Robert? Go yes. Ahead. Thank you for discussing the. Thank you for discussing the outflow of the water. Uh, you know, somebody bought up the rights to put a power generating facility there. Have you heard of any plans that a power generating uh, entity there at the discharge of the dam? Thank you. I can address that. Um, that has been studied. Uh, another one that's caught us out of left field. Um, the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission handles most of all of the hydropower production, and there is a process through Federal Energy Regulatory Commission or FERC to to look at the feasibility of adding hydro to a lot of the lakes in the area and. It's actually been looked at probably a dozen times at Tuttle Creek since the 60s. Uh, it's never been economically feasible. I'm not aware of any company that's looking at the dam right now and looking at putting any kind of hydro on on the facility. So right now, no, there's nothing in the, in the works that I'm aware of. All right. Uh, back to the phone lines here. We'll see. Uh, Paul has a question. Go ahead, Paul. This is probably from left field or north of the border or south. But what do you think you would find if you drained the lake? How many cars, trucks, bodies, guns, and whatever stolen property would be in that lake? Well, I can speak to that a little bit. We have new tools, uh, and we we have gone to not just Tuttle but other lakes, uh, and, and it's called side scan sonar, and it, what it gives is a very, um, a very good signature. I can, uh, uh, it was kind of lost in legend, but there is a a truck and a trailer that is still on the bottom of Tuttle Creek that we know about. But that tool helps us to be able to see even. I'm sorry to bring it up, but. Uh, the tragedy of someone deceased on the bottom. The, that tool does give us the opportunity to identify that kind of thing. By the way, uh, there is, uh, in fact, a fisherman found it, and it was kind of lost to legend. I think it had been in the lake five or ten years. But there is a, a boat and a trailer on the bottom of Tuttle Creek. Uh, be, be, beyond that, we, we well, we know there's a boat down there, too, that we saw just for one time, and we could never find it again. Uh, that goes back that was a fatality too yeah there's uh the mill cove area we know of a, a truck and a trailer that's that's sitting on the bottom and it's probably 35 feet of water and at normal pool 
there's a story about a van that uh, in the winter drove down the boat ramp at Tuttle Cove and they took off driving up the lake and went through the ice somewhere up around University Park. I've never found that on side scan, but we've never really spent a lot of time using that equipment that far up the lake. So, so that uh, boat, that truck and trailer that you talk about, though, had had been kind of lost to legend and a fisherman using that that tools side scan sonar or sonar found this truck and and reported it and we went up and found the truck with our equipment um and and then we found out well it had been reported long ago and just kind of forgotten and so uh that was that was a story that only goes back a, a year or two uh it's kind of something that that happens and if you don't have somebody around to tell you um you know, you you think well, maybe that just went in recently, but that wasn't the case on this. It it was known. Yeah, when when we got that equipment, probably oh, ten years ago, twelve years ago, we did the initial training, and <clears throat> actually, we start. It was windy that day, so we scanned a lot in the marina area around the marina, and, and we found what we thought was a car at the end of the boat ramp at at the marina ramp, and. We never could get the coordinates right. It kept changing on us. Well, come to find out there was two cars at the bottom of that ramp, and we worked with Pottawatomie County at the time, and then the Marshall County dive team came down and hooked up, and we ended up dragging both of those cars out. Turned out both of them were stolen. Uh, one had Georgia plates on it. It was a military person. Uh, had long, been, long since uh, left the area. The other one was, I think, a Pontiac Fiero, had been stolen out of Topeka, and the owner still lived in Topeka, and of course the insurance had all closed out on it, but uh, he didn't want the car back, but he said there was a guitar in the front seat he'd really like back, but uh, there was no guitar in the car when we pulled it out of the lake. So, yeah, there's there's all kinds of neat stories like that, and that tool is is actually excellent to, to find cars and, and different things on the bottom of the lake. And there's been an effort to go find those w- with this tool, uh, you know, the invention of this tool or the... Uh, the fact that we have these tools it only goes back less than ten years, but there has been an effort in going. Go, uh, there's been an effort to go look for things that we couldn't discover without that tool, uh, and there's been things found. And hmm. they've been common the last ten years. They've they've been available prior to that, but they were so expensive that uh, they just weren't really available to to a normal person. Uh, so. Hey Brian, are you going to introduce the uh, the uh, uh, Caleb, your park manager guy? Yeah, I think this would be a good transition into the recreation and camping that's coming up at Tuttle. Um, if anybody remembers Melissa that that used to come in here with us and and talk, she she's moved to another job in Kansas City, and Caleb is now filling that role. So Caleb is the park manager and natural resource manager at Tuttle Creek Lake. So he's been here about a month. Right at a month. So glad to have him here. Well, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Well, I'm new to Tuttle, uh, not new to the Corps. I spent uh, most of my career probably closing in 17 years or so at Milford, so just down the road, not too far, but happy to be over here now. I don't want to get off too topic or off topic too much, but going back to the side scan, I know it, at, when I was at Milford, just kind of went off what, what these guys already talked about, using it to check boat ramps and everything. Again, multiple vehicles have been located and, and recovered, some stolen Lots of good stories that, that go along with that side scan. Wild. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, happy to be over here. And if we want to get into some of the wreck stuff, we can do that. Or Yeah, let's 
Can we take a break real quick first? Well, let's let's do that because I got to squeeze in a commercial, and we'll get into the rec stuff uh, right after this here on News Radio KMAN. And we're back here on In Focus News Radio KMAN. We're talking here with our friends from just up north of here, Ben Jedlica, Brian McNulty, and Caleb Snyder, the new park manager at Tuttle Creek Lake. Uh, we'll take your phone calls here this morning as well. We're going to get into uh, recreation and camping up at Tuttle Creek Lake. Uh, one of the most popular places for camping here in the region is up there, and this is probably about the prime season for it. Yeah, you wouldn't think that with the weather today, but uh, camping season is upon us. April April 15th is when our parks open. Um, well, we're excited about that this year. It'll be the first year, as long as everything goes as planned, that the parks have been open for a full season since 2018. So obviously the big flood in 19 and then having to do a bunch of rehab work in the parks, they, they weren't available for the rest of that time. But so yeah, Tuttle Creek Cove, um, we've got 39 sites that again are scheduled to open up April 15th. Um, for some folks that maybe haven't been in there, though, there might be some slight changes on the layout. Some of the camp sites have probably been relocated a little bit since the flood. Um, but for all intents and purposes, it'll be open business as usual. Um, and then Stockdale Park, uh, we have 12 sites up there that'll be open same time frame, April 15th to the end of October. Um, there might be a few changes uh, if folks haven't been out in a while to to how we are handling reservations for the parks. So. Uh, we utilize recreation.gov now for, for all of our campsites. So if somebody wants a reservation, they're going to have to go to the uh, recreation.gov website or they can call uh, the 800 number, 877-444-6777. Or honestly, I think the easiest way is just to download the recreation.gov app. It's it's very handy. You can just search for your, your campground on there, pull up the sites, book it right from your phone. It's pretty handy. But all sites are in that system now. We, we do not take any reservations, no money at the gate attendant booth. It all has to be done either calling in or online to do those. So, What about for just getting into the park? Do you still have an attendant there taking you uh, your daily pass or whatever like that? We'll have uh, volunteers that, that will be up there for informational purposes to help folks out if they need it. Um, but, but everything else they, they can take care of either when they get there. And we have had that question come up some, you know, what if I show up and I don't have a reservation? Well, if a site's open, if it doesn't have a, a reservation on it and you show up and don't have one, it, we, we treat it essentially what I call a walk-in site. You can still just call right there and make it, you know, we have a zero day window. So you, you can book it on the spot. It's essentially treated like a walk-in site still. So Okay. Well, that maybe creates a little more efficiency there um, that way to have it, you know, being able to use the app and, and things like that. We think so. Yep. As long as everything's working well, it, it, it seems to be a, a pretty good system. So, uh, the river pond area, um, there's been some traffic issues I see. Is that right? Yeah. We opened the stilling basin up last year, you know, after being closed down for three years of construction and, and that is a popular way to get in and out of the river pond. Unfortunately, the median speed through there has been about 10 to 15 miles an hour above the posted speed limit. Uh, it's 15 miles an hour down around the basin and 25 elsewhere in the park. Uh, we've had some isolated incidents of people 50 plus miles an hour going through there. Uh, but median speed is well over the posted limit of 25. Uh, this time of year, there's not a lot of pedestrians in there and the fishing pressure at the tubes has been pretty low. But 
that's a, a heavily used area by pedestrians, and that's why the speed limits are set where they're at. Um, I guess I've been starting to warn people that I've been uh, warning about it that if that median speed doesn't close down, we have two entrances into that park, and we already know we can close that west entrance and, and make people go in and out the east entrance and over the dam. It's not a popular option, but once the park starts opening up and we have pedestrians walking on those roads that are sharing them with the cars, uh, we'll probably look at some measures like that to try to get the traffic to slow down. So, yeah, please slow down because I love that west entrance. Mm-hmm. I, I lived here for a couple years before they opened that up here because it was under construction. There was all sorts of things. Well, let's, let's hope we can keep that at a minimum then. We do have we have a security camera down at the Stilling Basin, and it's been there for two or three years now. And, and so we can see the cars that are coming and going, and the cars that have a destination at the basin or in, in Outlet Park in general are at the speed limit or at least close to the speed limit. The ones that are above the speed limit are go, going right through the basin and right over into the state park or coming out of the state park headed in towards, towards Manhattan. So. The majority of the speeders that are going through that area are coming in and out of the state park. Now, I know Ben touched on it earlier, Caleb, but uh, we get into like boating and, and stuff. You do have kayaks over there. Are they available for for rent uh, now, or is that later on in the season? Well, that, that that's a that's state park, and uh, Levi and and the state park rents the kayaks at the river pond area. Uh, we, we we do that kind of stuff. The core. But in any case, okay. we have a huge common goal of some boating safety. Make sure you need you have to have a life jacket, kayak, or canoe. Yeah, well, I, I was out on the water mon- Monday evening helping a boat, and uh, the water temperature is in the low to mid-40s right now. So even on those days that it's 80 degrees, 85 degrees, unseasonably warm, you're out there in shorts, flip-flops, and a T-shirt, the water is still cold, and, and really anything below 70 or 75, it doesn't take very long at all for hypothermia to set in if you get in the water unexpectedly. So, you know, most people that drown don't plan to be in the water, you know, and so that that's a recipe for disaster with the cold cold water temperatures and the warm air temperatures. Uh, there's a false sense of security there, I think, that people don't realize is, is upon them. And if they end up in the water and don't have a life jacket on, just that that uh, reflex of of hitting the cold water there's a gasp and that that uh, takes a lot of people they, they bring in water so. and realize that water is not going to change uh, all through the month of april we're going to get i used to make a bet that it'd make 90 in april for a bag of pretzels and if it hit 90 twice i don't know if i get two bags of pretzels but i quit making the bet i started losing really bad so it's cost me bags of pretzels those rods the pretzel pretzel rods are the best those are your favorite <laughs> but what people don't realize is that that water will not warm up till till may uh and and it doesn't it doesn't take much we have a lot of uh th- those people that have motorboats i think are a little more on board that a life jacket is required of everyone on board but you can go to walmart academy sports many places and get a kayak And you need a life jacket. Kayaks and canoes, our vessels, our boats, they must have a, uh, uh, I'm sorry, a a wearable life jacket on board for each person on the boat. 
and then once rec season opens up, you know, we have life jacket loaner boards at a lot of the park entrances, and people can, if they forget them, they can grab them off the board, go out on the lake, enjoy the lake, and then when they come back, just put them back on the board when they when they leave. So. Now, those are there, but that life jacket has to fit who's ever, right. who's ever using it, and sometimes that can get in the way. Of course, for, for kids, it's sometimes I say it's no wonder that they're not wearing a life jacket that is of the old orange uh, you used to call them May West life jackets. Well, they make much more comfortable life jackets. They're kind of a vest, uh, a vest uh, style, and uh, there's there's no reason not to have a jacket on. Those vest style jackets have pockets. So at least when I have one, I I want pockets on it. Uh, but they're way more comfortable than some of the life jackets from the past. Uh, Nick, we had some, somebody call it. I can't quite read it. Yeah, no problem. Uh, we have a we had a caller. They didn't want to make the call or the, the make the question on air. They're they're actually at work, um, but they wanted to know if there's there's many boat rescues that you all have to do out there on the lake. Is there a bunch that you bunch that you have to do? Well, yeah, that's uh... let's distinguish between rescue and <laughs> retrieval. So, uh, we do have a marina. Uh, if you have a disabled boat, uh, the marina usually has a boat available for tow. Uh, Manhattan Wrecker Service in the past has had a boat available for tow, although they haven't been available the last couple of years. But I think he still has a boat. Whether or not it's at the marina yet, I don't know. Uh, ben and Caleb and I, we go on emergency calls more so where there's there's an emergency. Uh, but we routinely don't go out just to retrieve boats. We, we have way too many of those. Um it takes special equipment. It takes quite a lot of effort to get on the Kansas River. We've had uh, injured people on the Kansas River. And this spring, is just in the last few weeks, has been real busy for that kind of call. Um, just a short story, up at the bridge, we had somebody in a boat that was made to go in shallow water plane into uh, several hundred yards into the mud where it was um, about – couldn't have been more than five inches and uh, they wrestled it out themselves there's a, a you should be ready to self-rescue which is what this took um, we did not well we were ready are we standing by to go pull somebody off but but they weren't too happy about just being retrieved the, the in other words retrieving the human getting the human life taken care of what went on with the boat boat wasn't going to go anywhere but we've had too many of those calls already. I don't have a patrol boat on the lake yet, uh, but if it's an emergency, we'll find a way. Uh, uh, I hope that people are ready to self-rescue, but we're there if that's what it takes. I guess uh, with, with the Cedar Ridge or Spillway Marina ramp closed, uh, we talked about crappie season, but walleye season will be coming up here too in the that Pottawatomie County side of the lake is very popular for that. And there's really not a ramp on that side of the lake. Um, it was very rough going across the lake on Monday evening in the main body of, of the lake. And so just a word of caution that I'm not aware of any fish that's worth your life going across those heavy waters to get to the, the calm spots on the east side of the lake to fish for walleye. So wait for a better day or, or wait for the ramp on that side of the lake. But I would not encourage anybody to, to venture across the lake when the when the wind's blowing like it was Monday evening. And, and just kind of 
piggybacking off that with it being as windy as it has, I know we talked about a lot a lot about the lake, but it's been dry, uh, and I'm sure you know there's always concerns about wildfires and it's even around the lake. Have you guys had any issues with that here as of late? There was a fire up at the north end of Riley County up near the Swede Creek boat ramp. Um, <clears throat> it appeared to have started down on public property and then burned onto private property. Um, that's the only one on on core ground that I'm aware of that's happened this spring. That ramp, by the way, Sweet Creek, uh, has got a little riprap and, and is getting a little maintenance up there, and it has to do with that bridge being out on, I'm going to call it Rose Hill Road, uh, but I was just up there yesterday, and, and they're they're doing some work on that Sweet Creek, which is a long way. That's a, about a 25-mile trek from here. Um, but uh, beyond that, on wildfires, uh, you know, when the wind's up and it's dry, that's, that is a concern. All right. Let's take a break. We'll come back and uh, one final segment here with these guys. In Focus continues in a moment here on News Radio KMAN. Final segment of In Focus here on News Radio KMAN. And uh, just a reminder, you can also catch these interviews on our podcast section at newsradiokman.com in the on demand section and uh, also anywhere you get your podcasts now. Uh, we are talking with our guests here, Brian McNulty, Operations Project Manager at Tuttle Creek Lake with the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, and uh, Caleb Snyder, Park Manager at Tuttle Creek Lake, Ben Jedlica here as well, the Riley County Game Warden with Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks. Uh, we get into current and upcoming construction projects, and really it's been a little calm as of late, which is a little unusual, Brian. Yeah, it's been unusual and actually nice. We've had construction projects of some sort going on for several years so uh, but we are in the queue for for some more construction coming up we have several projects that are already approved in the budget and funded so they'll be moving forward they're finishing up either design or getting ready to be advertised to take bids on uh, probably the one that's most noteworthy is last December we finished up a small area of rock repair on the upstream side of the dam and that that ended in December that was phase one phase two has been funded it's going through the final phases of uh, design and, and the advertisement for that contract will be coming out here probably in the next 30 to 60 days is my, my guess. Uh, that'll put a bunch more rock on the upstream side of the dam. Uh, potentially we'll be doing some additional rock repair work in the outlet channel below the dam as well as part of that work. Uh, so that's one that'll be real visible. Um, that'll affect parking lots at both ends of the dam once they arrive on site once that contract's awarded the rock trucks will be going in and out of both ends of the dam so those those parking lots at the ends of the dam will be closed to the public again once that project starts uh, we'll have some traffic disruptions if they do the the channel work downstream as well because the that there's not a lot of room to work down there and they'll be placing rock along the sides of the channel on both sides of the stilling basin downstream of the concrete structure uh, we did have some damage to a gate liner in one of our service gates below the tower. Uh, that's, again, funded. Uh, final design on that is is winding up. We're going to try to target doing that work in an August through the end of March time frame when the lake is historically low and we have low outflows. So it's looking like that probably is going to happen. Uh, the contract will be awarded and a lot of the preparatory work will be done before, but the on-site work will start in probably July or August of 23 
and continue into early 24. Uh, we've got had a lot of road damage from the flood in 2019 that didn't get addressed. We did some minor repairs, but we've got uh, quite a bit of road work that's been funded, so that, that'll be happening probably the, starting maybe mid-summer to late summer and into the fall. And that'll happen in probably all three of our primary parks, Outlet Park, Tuttle Cove, and Stockdale, uh, possibly the spillway cycle area as well. Um, I'll let Caleb talk a little bit. We also have some flood damage and habitat restoration uh, in the in the areas between the dam and the Highway 16 bridge as well. So, yeah, I've only been here about a month, like we mentioned earlier, but something I've spent quite a bit of time on since I've been here is what I'm calling the habitat restoration project here and, and that's looking at a lot of these areas that were impacted again with that 19 flood so this is looking at, at, a, at a lot of different places um, from Tuttle Creek Cove all the way up to Baldwin and then uh, Garrison area over on the other side of the lake uh, going into those areas there's anybody who's been out there has seen all the dead trees and timber that's out there so removing some of that um, and then trying to go back in and, and restore kind of some of the stuff that was there before, whether that's grass plantings, maybe some, some habitat improvement, doing some of that kind of work. So we're taking a look at, at, at all those areas right now, trying to quantify what's there, seeing what we can do and go back with. Um, some of that, you know, a lot of those areas or some of them at least already have, you know, so, some road closures, some gates in those areas. But again, they were damaged in the flood water. We'll probably go back in and replace some of those too as part of this. Um, so, yeah, just, just a lot of work trying to get things back to a little more of what they were pre-flood. All right. It's amazing the lingering effects that that uh, 2019 year had, Brian. It's just been, uh, you know, well, here we are almost three years out from that, and, and it's we're still seeing the ramifications. Yeah. Uh, if you travel even up into Marshall County, the Kansas Forest Service estimated over 7,000 acres of timbered area was, was underwater for almost the whole growing season. And a good chunk of that is probably now dead. So there's going to be a lot of debris coming into the lake in the next 10 years from once those trees start shedding their limbs and the trees start uh, coming down since they're all dead. So uh, it's going to be a problem coming up. Brian, think of the mushrooms, though. Yeah, that that would be the positive part of that. (laughs) Uh, We had a caller here who was looking for some info on the levee project. yeah, they were calling up. They didn't want to pop on air, but they wanted to ask a little bit about what's going on there. I mentioned briefly with them as a sort of a thing going on between the, the city as well in conjunction with the Corps, but I wanted to give you all the space to answer. Um, I know that the contract's been awarded and they've started some of the preparatory work on, I think, Clare and Barrow areas. Um, that's handled out of our construction division. Um, the Corps of Engineers is administering and overseeing that contract in cooperation with the city of Manhattan. But our construction division that's actually housed over at Fort Riley is is administering that contract. So that's about all the details I have on that. All right. Fair enough. Before I let you go, I, I was talking about the history of Tuttle Creek Lake, uh, the, the dam specifically, when it was built here to somebody. And I, I couldn't tell them when it was built. Do you? What is the year that it was finished, I guess? Uh, finished 1963. Um, it started in construction in the early 1950s. It actually started construction as a dry dam with no permanent pool. Uh, There's a lot of uh, a lot of people against it, and it, Congress did not appropriate money to it for a couple of years, and it actually went into mothballs in the 
right before 1955. Then we had a pretty good drought in the mid-1950s, generating interest in Tuttle Creek again, and the the authorization from Congress actually changed from a dry dam to a a dam with a permanent water supply to mitigate drought in periods of dry. So the real estate acquisition policies were all changed, and the real estate office changed what, what they were buying, and and they ended up modifying the design and making a permanent pool and and then uh, took the rest of the 1950s into 1962, went into operation and was filled in 1963. All right. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. That's just for my little bit of knowledge here. And it's kind of neat how it kind of shapes the, the two counties there too, uh, Riley and Potawatomi. Uh, before we wrap things up, I want to give Ben the opportunity to go over some dates again here. Yeah, get out your pencil. Uh, what's coming up the, the, is three Saturdays away is a pretty big event on the Kansas River. It's a Kansas River cleanup on April 16th. It kicks off from the boat ramp on your way to Wamego. Uh, that would be the Big Blue Boat Ramp or Manhattan Boat Ramp, and that'll go starting at 8 o'clock. Uh, April 16th, it's on a Saturday. There's one I didn't mention, and that's an Earth Day cleanup that's going to be centered at the park. Uh, at Tuttle Creek State Park below the dam. And that's on April 23rd, 9 to 11. And I think they'll they'll have support for that. Um, Earth Day cleanup on a Saturday, April 23rd. Uh, then you go to May, and May is going to have a beginner uh, event on the river on May 11th, and that's at 5 in the evening. And it only goes a few hours, but it's kind of a supported event on uh, on the Kansas River with – uh, canoes and kayaks, and of course there are canoes and kayaks available from Tuttle Creek State Park. I think they've got forty. All right, well that's cool. I'm not much of a kayaker, so I probably won't be doing that myself. I'm more of a fisher, um, and we always like to remind people you can get your fishing license anytime, right? By the way, if you can you can buy a fishing license and the end cost is about 2750 25 for the license and then there's a $2.50 fee i'll bring it to i i brought it to people's attention and now i'm starting to find them it's been in place for 6 or 7 years but you can buy a fishing license or hunting license that lasts 5 years and the, the advantage is you pay for 4 years at $20 a year and then that $2.50 uh fee so you can pay the old price of twenty dollars instead of 25 each year and get a fishing license hunting license that uh one or the other last 20 uh i'm sorry last five years and those years are not uh that 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 expires our one-year license went to 365 days which is real fair you know if you pay the same price you get the same days 365 all right. Well, good good information, guys. Thank you all for being here. Uh, Caleb, it was nice to meet you. Me too. Uh, Brian, always a pleasure. Thank you for having us. You bet. And Ben, always good to see you too. Thank you. That's going to wrap up our In Focus program here for this morning. Coming up tomorrow, we've got uh, Karen Hibbard from the Convention and Visitors Bureau, Greg Eyestone from Kansas State Research and Extension, Julie Gibbs from the Riley County Health Department, and uh, we'll also hear from Tim Sharp, Mayor of Riley, coming in.